This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening. Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio, and tonight's Late Late Show is hosted by me, Emily Edwards. This week, we're going to explore historical fiction and what its place in history classrooms can look like. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, good evening. Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio tonight. And as I said, my name is Emily Edwards. For any recurring listeners, welcome back. It's good to chat with you again. And if this is your first time with me, here's a bit of background about uh, my role in education so far. So I'm currently teaching secondary history as a full-time classroom teacher. I started my NQT year back when it was called an NQT in 2017. And I have an MPQML as well as experiences in middle leadership, both in temporary positions as a pastoral deputy head of sixth form and curriculum lead in history, although thankfully not at the same time. I also have experience in teaching Key Stage 3 to 5 for history and Key Stage 5 A-level politics. So with all the introductions having been made, first things first, welcome. It is great to be back talking with you all tonight uh, about the world of education and with the mini hiatus um, last week due to open evenings and all that, I've had a bit more time than usual to think about tonight's topic. So tonight I'd like to discuss the idea of historical fiction. Why are teachers wary of adding fiction to history lessons? What makes historical fiction work? And which texts should we be still wary of in the history classroom? This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR. 2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly, and access actionable data that drives student success. On the 24th to the 26th of January, 2024, Bet UK is back, and even better for educators. 
New for 2024, Table Talks empowers educators to collaborate openly and connect deeply with like-minded individuals in the education space, as well as tech user labs, the brilliant new tutorials and working groups at BET, where technology users will learn how to get more out of their institution's tech from the top education technology experts in the world. Whatever your goal, you'll find it at BET 2024. Educators go free. Get your tickets today at www.uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The BBC News website reports on announcements that GCSE students in England will get formulae and equations in their maths and science exams for summer 2024. The Department for Education has asked the exam regulator to extend previous support for another year to limit the impact of COVID. Most students who were due to sit GCSE exams next summer were in year seven when the first lockdown began. Teaching unions have welcomed the proposal, which is being consulted on. The DfE said it would mean enhanced formulae and equation sheets for pupils in maths, physics and combined science. Education Secretary Gillian Keegan said these pupils will be the last to experience two years of national closures during secondary school and that it was right that they get additional support. She went on to say it was disappointing that the decision had been made so late on, as many pupils will take mocks in the coming months or so. The union ASCOL welcomed the consultation, but argued that the provision of support materials should be permitted as it would reduce some of the stress of exam preparation and allow pupils to focus on core knowledge and skills. Prior to this announcement, exams in England had been due to return to 2019 arrangements. Exams were cancelled across the UK in 2020 and 2021 and grades were based on teacher assessments. When students returned to exam halls in 2022, they were given extra support. Some measures remained in place for exams in England in 2023, with exams in the same subjects spaced more apart, formulae and equation sheets in some subjects, and not being tested on unfamiliar vocabulary in modern foreign languages. But unlike the rest of the UK, students in England were not given information on topics on which they were being tested. England was also the only nation this summer to bring back in line with 2019 with Wales and Northern Ireland planning a slow return. As a result, the drop in pass grades was steepest in England. In another week of political drama, the latest government reshuffle has seen the return of many familiar faces. For education, it means the return of former Education Secretary Damien Hines as schools minister. He replaces Nick Gibb, who resigned to pursue a job in the diplomatic service. A report in FE Week focuses on Hines' previous experience leading the DFE between January 2019 and July 2019, during which time the government completed reforms to technical education. Hines has previously said, after his 2019 departure, that there was still work to do on social mobility. He was replaced by Gavin Williamson. The Education Secretary stated Mr Hines is hugely experienced and who would continue to build on Nick Gibbs' record of driving up standards. Mr Hines is the sixth person to hold the schools minister 
role in 18 months. The Glasgow Times reports on what it calls the long-term decline in education standards after the Institute of Fiscal Studies looked at Scotland's disappointing history in PISA figures, an international measure. Since 2012, Scottish scores in maths and science have declined. The figures also show a wide gap between the richest and poorest in maths, science and reading. But more well-off students also underperform when compared to their English counterparts. Large increases in spending and big reforms such as the Curriculum for Excellence do not seem to have translated into higher performance, according to Andrew McKendrick, one of the report's authors. A Scottish Conservative education spokesman said the report should act as a wake-up call for the SNP, and Scottish Labour said it exposed the damage the SNP has done. Finally, Schools Week reports on the invitation to schools to request a free portrait of King Charles II under a new government scheme. The scheme is costing £8 million. Those wishing to take up the offer must apply before the 2nd of February 2024. The King will be shown in ceremonial dress and delivery of the images will take place between February and April next year. The A3 size picture will be printed on high quality paper and be in a glazed frame. Schools which display pictures of Her Late Majesty Queen Elizabeth will not be obliged to take down her portrait. Suggested placement of the image of His Majesty is reception areas or a function room or similar location. Schools will not be able to see the portrait before submitting requests. The image is not being funded from school budgets, but out of a separate pot similar to the scheme which provided a free book to every primary school pupil to mark the Queen's Platinum Jubilee in 2021. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. Right then, so let's jump into it tonight and talk about the basics. What is historical fiction and why have history teachers been a bit wary of it? So historical fiction is a genre that combines traditional storytelling with historical events, settings, figures or contexts. So in historical fiction, authors uh, weave fictional narratives, characters and dialogue into the backdrop of real historical periods, which offers readers a different perspective on those actual historical events. So some really famous examples uh, include The Boy in the Striped Pajamas by John Boyne, the Assassin's Creed franchise, which is mostly a game series, but they did add some books to accompany the series, and War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy. Overall, while the characters and storylines can be fictional, they often interact with or are influenced by real historical figures and events, providing a blend of entertainment and education. So like with every other genre in uh, the literary world, there isn't really anything wrong with using fiction in lessons to engage students. Uh, you can use it to study writing techniques and you can use it to explore different worlds or different perspectives. Uh, in fact, I think many history teachers have explored other genres in their lessons. So for example, I know I've used poetry from soldiers uh, like Siegfried Sassoon and Wilfred Owen to explore World War One and its impact on those who enlisted. So. Why have history teachers generally been wary of using historical fiction as a genre in particular? Well, if you're asking me, and I hope you are, I think history teachers, and I do include my past self in this, have been wary of using historical fiction for several reasons. So some of the most common reasons for this weariness um, include kind of historical accuracy, 
being kind of the biggest one on my mind, as we see that historical fiction often takes very creative liberties with historical events and, I say characters, but historical figures. Um, and I think ultimately a lot of history teachers have seen or read some media that swears that it's based on true events, only for us to be left profoundly miffed, I think, to put it politely, at how fast and loose those writers have been with the actual facts. And I think if uh, we include those sorts of narratives, there is the fear that students will internalize the fictional elements as historical fact, and that will just compound and lead to uh, misconceptions about the past. And I think this is especially true with texts that have been written um, specifically to persuade the reader into believing a specific point of view or to build up a historical figure with a certain personality and a certain story arc. Um, and I think that's a problem when we see that the facts actually argue otherwise. And we'll talk about this a little bit later. Um, there's also a concern with using historical fiction in terms of the lack of primary sources. Because I think in history education in particular, the use of primary sources, such as documents, letters and artefacts, is really highly valued. Um, this is where we test and develop our analytical skills, as well as build our fundamental understanding of the past. These are our puzzle pieces that we can put together after all. So my concern, I think, as a past um, teacher who has been very concerned about introducing historical fiction uh, without care, is that many examples of historical fiction do seem to lean more heavily into the fiction rather than the history part. And so as a result, it may not provide students with what's true and what's um, fictional in terms of the source material provided. And it doesn't really give students the skills needed to critically analyze and interpret these real um, historic sources. It's also can be a bit of a problem when it comes to assessments, not as a kind of formal approach, but more so, do they actually understand what they've been taught? So if students are struggling to grasp some of the historical context and struggle to differentiate between the fictional elements and the actual history, that could eat into our lesson time, which I think, as we all know, in education, I feel there's never enough time to get across everything we want to talk about and everything that we think is important for students to learn about. Um, and so with historical fiction, it may take more time to unpick misconceptions rather than using more traditional um, sources of information. Furthermore, authors of historical fiction often inject their own interpretations and many times their own biases into the narrative. And this can lead to concerns about presenting a skewed version of history, especially if the author does have a particular agenda or a particular focus they want to emphasize. And with, as I say, the limited time we have to teach, um, I think for history teachers, accessing high quality uh, primary sources and historical interpretations from um, historians who are looking to educate rather than to entertain can sometimes raise the question of, is it worth bringing in fictional material at the expense of existing non-fiction material? And in terms of um, historical fiction generally, if you're introducing different books, they will usually focus on a specific event, time period, or a character. And I think that comes with it some issues in deciding what to include or how much of that historical fiction to include. And so sometimes it's not even about the quality of the work, but actually trying to find the time for 
um, a proper analysis and to use that source of historical fiction really effectively. And we want to avoid, obviously, as history teachers, providing a really narrow view of history because there are so many different pieces that, when fit together, creates a much more interesting tapestry of events and a story that really is um, fundamental to our understanding of the past and how we get to where we are today. And so by focusing on individual characters or eras, it might uh, limit our scope. I know that um, I've read a lot of different um, historical fiction books on ancient Greece. And whilst I've absolutely loved understanding these different characters and the different nuances and the real people associated with these narratives, if obviously I'm trying to use those sorts of texts to try and teach things like the Trojan Wars, it's not necessarily going to provide the overarching picture that a lot of students need to then be able to go back and hang um, those smaller, more personal stories um, into the wider scope of events. And kind of penultimately, I think there's a big concern within teaching that historical fiction may encourage this passive consumption of stories without actually promoting any critical thinking. Um, when we look at sources, usually there are questions that involve breaking down the source, critically analysing where the source is coming from. NOP is our go-to uh, acronym for sources, nature, origin, purpose. What is it? Where does it come from? Why has it been made? And having those um, aspects, having those skills and analysis really does help students to think critically about where the information is coming from and to make their own decisions about um, the information presented. And sometimes if you present students with a very clean cut story, it might encourage them to just accept the past without question. And for history students, that's a bit of a recipe for disaster. And finally, looking at a loss of objectivity, historical fiction can really evoke strong emotions and that can lead to students developing personal uh, feelings or opinions about real historical people, or real events via the angle that the author has taken, via the author's presentation of that material. So I think a really easy one is if you see a character based on a historical figure, in a TV show or in a book where they're presented really charismatically, if they're presented, especially in film or TV, with a very um, appealing actor, whether that's personality or looks, up to you, um, that can obviously lead to the kind of audience creating a very defined sense of who they believe that person was, rather than having a genuine understanding of that person and linking it to the actual history. I think the Tudors TV series probably is a very good example of this. Um, regardless of how you feel about the series, those characters, those real people are presented in a way that fits a narrative, creating this kind of loss of objectivity, which can be a bit of a problem. However, Despite these concerns, which I do believe are perfectly valid and do need to be considered before introducing historical fiction into the history classroom, I do believe that historical fiction can be an incredibly valuable addition to our lessons when used carefully and in conjunction with other um, types of sources. When teachers provide that appropriate guidance and context, I really do think students can benefit from that engagement and the empathy that historical fiction can provide whilst developing the critical thinking skills to evaluate the accuracy of these different narratives.
This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly, and access actionable data that drives student success. On the 24th to the 26th of January, 2024, Bet UK is back and even better for educators. New for 2024, Table Talks empowers educators to collaborate openly and connect deeply with like-minded individuals in the education space, as well as tech user labs, the brilliant new tutorials and working groups at BET, where technology users will learn how to get more out of their institution's tech from the top education technology experts in the world. Whatever your goal, you'll find it at BET 2024. Educators go free. Get your tickets today at www.uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration. So this is now the crux, the hinge point of the show. Why should history teachers use historical fiction in their lessons? Well, I think there are some really clear positives for historical fiction and there are some easy solutions that can be used to address some of the negatives. So, for example, historical fiction can really captivate students' interests. And I think this is such an important part of any teacher's uh, repertoire. It should be a really important focus when we're introducing especially new topics. How can we hook those students in? How can we get them to really buy into why we're studying this period of time, this person, this uh, era? Why should they care? And I think historical fiction offers a narrative that can really bring history to life. It can make the past seem more relatable and more engaging by turning those facts, those names, those places, those dates into real people with real stories. Seeing it from maybe a first person perspective can really uh, flesh out those stories and build history from this very rote learning, traditional um, approach to this more complex idea, this nuanced approach of interweaving stories. And I think that can create an opportunity to foster a real love of history through the people, through those stories, and then building on that with the wider understanding. On top of that, I think reading historical fiction really allows students to empathize with people of the past. And this is something that I've found throughout my career has been incredibly important. I think 
especially in subjects where we can be very detached from the history. It happened ages ago, the idea of the olden times, which I think is a phrase that always uh, sends a shiver up my spine. Um, this idea of it's happened ages ago, it doesn't apply to us now, can be a real obstacle for a lot of um, history lessons to overcome. And so I think creating an opportunity for students to gain a deeper understanding of the experiences, the emotions and the perspectives um, of real um, human beings, of real figures, even if it is within a more fictionalized setting, can be used to really develop that historical empathy. Um, I will be discussing some excellent examples of this later on in the show of how writers have been able to do this without sacrificing the accuracy of the past, which I think is a very difficult tightrope to walk. So I am looking forward to talking about that in a little bit. Um, also, I think as, as history teachers, we can use nearly any resource to develop understanding or skills. It doesn't necessarily have to be those traditional primary and secondary sources. And I think we can even use some historical fiction in a critical manner. Um, after all, I think every uh, history teacher in the country has died a bit inside every time they've read a student answer that tried to argue that the source is not useful because it is biased. I think that phrase is absolutely terrible and it is kind of the go-to for students of dismissing parts of um, a narrative in history because it is one-sided and I think by exploring historical fiction we can learn uh, how to separate the fact from the fiction and get students to address those misconceptions and understand how these sources can still be useful even if they are potentially very one-sided or quite limiting. And I think that's a great way to introduce that um, opportunity to expand their skills within the safe environment of a classroom. And in today's modern world, navigating things like social media and looking at conflicting narrative online is obviously a very key issue for young people. And so developing those skills is going to be um, even more important as students um, kind of grow and adapt and change the world around them. So ultimately, I think looking at historical fiction in a positive way um, is that we can use this to interweave the skills that we see in other subjects. Um, having an interdisciplinary approach, I think, in schools is a great way to foster um, education as a wider um, net, in essence, rather than just subjects that are islands unto themselves. Um, history in particular, I think, is a great subject to connect with not just other humanities subjects, um, but also just generally within the school. I think the easiest ones, I think, that come to mind would be things like English literature, English language, politics, uh, modern foreign languages, and kind of other humanities-based subjects. But generally, promoting this holistic and interdisciplinary approach of historical context only serves our students and gives us as teachers a chance to really explore history from different perspectives and to introduce, um, obviously, some new and various techniques for us to try out and for us to kind of get excited about the history that we've taught potentially, you know, five, 10, 15 years um, in a row. It gives us a fresh perspective as well. And I think it's a, a great way for us to supplement kind of traditional history textbooks and those traditional resources and provide those alternative viewpoints in a way that's only going to enrich students' understanding rather than create more limitations. So 
whilst we've looked at all the positives, I do have to address obviously some of the elephants in the room, some of the negatives that may crop up. Obviously, if you have your own concerns with um, historical fiction, please do feel free to leave them in the chat. More than happy to discuss um, different ideas and different perceptions around this topic as we go. So firstly, I think we all know that badly written historical fiction is an absolute pain for teachers. It often contains inaccuracies, leading to misconceptions and frustrations on our part as we're trying to figure out the fact from the fiction. And I think an easy way to address this is A, avoiding books that prioritise drama and storytelling over the historical accuracy, but also as well to pair historical fiction with the factual sources and actually encourage students to compare and contrast where do you notice where this piece of historical fiction has gone above and beyond and has linked it to actual history? Where do we see the book kind of play fast and loose with some of the facts? Where can we see some inaccuracies? And I think students can then gain a greater understanding of construction of the past and how different people can manufacture different narratives um, to create a specific viewpoint and promote certain ideas. It also gives students a great way to actually address um, more traditional sources by breaking down provenances, breaking down background, rather than just using traditional sources that can be um, somewhat repetitive after a certain period of time. And in doing so, I think students can really develop more nuance and really understand the ideas of usefulness and reliability in a wider context rather than basic exam skills, basic exam prep. So another issue that I've noticed is that authors of historical fiction can also present a very limited perspective um, or even in some cases omit hugely significant um, events or perspectives that lead to this very skewed understanding of history and that is a problem if it is accepted point blank by students and I think an easy way to challenge this is if students are guided or if teachers suggest ways to read multiple different uh, versions of this event, either through different forms of historical fiction or even just from different uh, perspectives within the same novel, if it gives you that opportunity. Um, obviously, this can be a bit of a problem if students react very strongly to different quote unquote characters, if they're based on historical people. So if they um, see that this character has you know, treated another character very poorly and they have a negative view of that um, initial character, that can obviously be very difficult for teachers then to go, well, have you thought about it from their perspective? Since understandably, nobody wants to be supportive of somebody who um, they perceive to be a bad influence or a bad um, character or figure. And I'm not going to argue that this is an easy job. Um, if it was, our lives as teachers would be significantly easier. Um, but I think we need to give young people more credits and acknowledge that they are, in fact, quite switched on than sometimes we give them uh, credit for. And I think both primary and secondary age school children can learn to separate the character from the historical figure. And I've even had um, some examples in the classroom of discussing different presentations of um, historical figures, both using historical fiction and using accounts of the time and discussing how even in reality, um, these narratives about these figures can be established in sometimes very critical ways, sometimes very positive ways, all depending on perception.
And that can be something where students themselves then create their own perceptions and acknowledge, obviously, where they have limitations through their own um, biases, but also as well um, being able to examine different perspectives from other students in the room. And I think uh, what works very well is kind of evaluating that emotional reaction. So a great example that I've used in the past that's had some surprisingly at the time positive results uh, was exploring Richard III as a villain and Henry Tudor as this hero based on Shakespeare's works. And whilst the narrative itself is historical fiction in the sense of um, very exaggerated characters, some events are played a little bit fast and loose with the Wars of the Roses, but ultimately what I've seen is that students um, have an increased attachment to these quote unquote characters and it helps them to understand the impact of Shakespeare's work. So understanding the impact of um, Henry VII, understanding Richard III and the text that Shakespeare writes within the Tudor era and understanding the importance and the power of uh, propaganda at the time based on their own um, emotional reactions has led to this real nuanced um, approach from students in understanding that impact. And so there's a lot of ways that we can incorporate historical fiction into history lessons without compromising on time, without compromising on accuracy, and without um, dumbing down history in a sense. It can even be a really valuable teaching tool when used thoughtfully. And usually, obviously, as history teachers, we never just rely on one piece of information. We like to use um, lots of different sources in conjunction with other sources, critical thinking exercises, historians' interpretations, et cetera, et cetera. Um, ultimately, I do believe historical fiction can really bring history to life as a subject and foster empathy and critical analysis. And whilst I understand that we can be quite wary, we never want to um, do a disservice to our students by not providing them uh, with accurate information or with the potential for them to create their own misunderstandings. But I really think that teachers, um, obviously, as professionals, have the autonomy and have, obviously, the skills to be able to address these uh, potential problems inherent in the genre and create a really effective uh, use that works within their classrooms for historical fiction. So probably the most controversial part of the entire show, our kind of um, big section here, looking at what would I recommend? What would I avoid? Um, now, understandably, these will be uh, mostly my opinions. Um, I have asked other uh, history teachers within my school what they thought, and they had um, some similar agreements and a couple of interesting additions. If you yourself have um, any types of historical fiction, any particular books or TV shows or um, games even that you want to include and throw into the mix, please do feel free to pop that in the chat and I would love to hear your suggestions of how you've been incorporating this into your own lessons as well. So hopefully I've convinced you to give historical fiction a go. So where do we start? Um, the interesting part is that obviously we have hundreds, probably thousands of different books to go to. So instead of trying to list lots of my favourites, and some of my not so favorites, I thought what I do like any good historian is to create a set of criteria. So what is Miss Edwards's go-to criteria for historical fiction? 
to make sure that they can be used effectively and ethically in history classrooms. So criteria point number one, is it accurate? Now, I'll be honest, when I pitched the idea for tonight's show with the rest of the Teachers Talk radio team, uh, I did promise that it wouldn't just be a rant about the boy in the striped pajamas, but I am only human. So I'll make this section very quick. When teaching about the Holocaust, I think we as history teachers have such an important job in presenting those facts as openly and accurately as possible, because obviously we and our students need to challenge the anti-Semitic nonsense that we find out there on social media surrounding things, um, including the Holocaust, for example, denial or um, people trying to dismiss survivor testimonies, things like that. And one of my big issues is that the boy in the striped pajamas um, promotes the narrative around the son of an SS officer, Bruno. And Bruno, for some reason of the book, is nine years old, but is completely unaware of World War II, his father's role in the concentration camps, um, and even why Shmuel, the young Jewish boy, is in said concentration camp. It's a deeply, I think, problematic place to start, purely because we know from um, history that German children were taught in schools where teachers were part of the Nazi party, they taught anti-Semitic Nazi propaganda, and they forced students to um, swear oaths of loyalty to Hitler and to fight and die for the Fuhrer. So without that core knowledge, students reading the book may not realise how indoctrinated German children were and how common anti-Semitism was in Germany at that point, and even to some extent how supported the Nazis were in Germany, especially with um, the nature of these characters. And I think that um, is a huge issue within um, teaching things like the Holocaust, where it's such a difficult and mature topic to discuss. We have to try and make sure that those key facts are included and not use books like The Boy in the Striped Pajamas as our go-to source for information on the Holocaust because of that different perspective and because it misses out those core accurate elements that do have some uh, significant weighting in the, the narrative of the Holocaust. Um, thanks, Paul, for your comments. So absolutely, in terms of primary education, I think there's a really great opportunity to um, discuss history from uh, kind of a historical empathy perspective. So it is absolutely great to get um, young children in particular discussing ideas around what do they think about people like uh, Queen Elizabeth in the Tudors, for example, and a great way to then um, build in some of the history skills they'll encounter with secondary, whilst also at the same time giving students opportunity to um, challenge their own uh, ideas or the ideas from historical fiction, um, is to compare it with um, contemporary sources from the time. So looking at how Elizabeth presents herself, uh, looking at how other key figures talk about Elizabeth, um, and again, have students go, well, based on this picture, you know, what do you think about it? Based on this uh, portrayal in a film or a TV show, what do you think she's like? Um, and I think it's a great way for students to have a bit more ownership over the history rather than it being something that has happened. It's something they're involved with. Um, so I think in terms of primary education, I know that um, history is taught really well in terms of these kind of small pockets, because obviously of the, the nature of the curriculum. 
Um, so I think it's just making the most of getting students' opinions. So potentially making it more interdisciplinary. So teaching English skills and writing skills along with um, historical perceptions, using um, historical fictions to then write their own potential uh, narrative events using key events from history. Um, that could be a really fun way for students to see how history is constructed whilst obviously making time for the um, literacy and uh, writing skills they'll need obviously throughout their entire education. But hopefully that's a couple of ideas for you, Paul. Um, great question to ask. Thank you for um, chiming in. Please feel free to uh, keep adding to the discussion. No worries. Thank you. Now, I think in terms of my uh, kind of Holocaust example, this one might be a bit um, more unknown as a really good example of how to induce uh, historical fiction would be uh, Magneto Testaments. It's a comic book by Greg Pak, and it talks about the Holocaust through the X-Men characters, and particularly it focuses on the titular character of Magneto. Now, for the record, I know I'm probably quite alone in being a massive um, DC Marvel superhero fan on uh, Teachers Talk Radio, but the character itself of Magneto is um, canonically within the series a Holocaust survivor since the uh, 1980s run by Chris Claremont. And so it's really quite interesting that um, within this uh, modern interpretation of Magneto as a character, they really lean into um, discussing the Holocaust rather than it being uh, a light touch approach. And the fascinating thing about Magneto Testament is that it specifically spoke with Holocaust survivors and to make sure that the narrative events they presented within the fictional world of the X-Men was actually uh, reflecting real historical events and the impact of the Nazi regime on Jewish Germans in the 1930s uh, and into the 1940s as factually as possible. And I think that's so brilliant that they're able to introduce the history accurately without feeling that they were sacrificing a dramatic narrative. It's a really interesting way for students to explore different events and to connect um, the nature of events while seemingly in their mind, they're just reading a um, comic book character in essence. So it's a nice easy way to sneak in a bit of extra history and to see the long-term impact of things like the Nazis, the uh, development and the cruelty of the Holocaust um, within a fictional narrative without missing out the key facts that I believe the boy in the striped pajamas does. So that's my rant. I'm going to close it off there before I get uh, too carried away. So my second uh, point of criteria, does it provide students with an engaging perspective? Because there is no point introducing um, texts or fiction or mixture of both if we are not getting students to explore different perspective, if it's not bringing something different to uh, the metaphorical table. So I know that um, I've been reading through lots of uh, historical fiction about Greek mythology and Greek um, history. And so um, thankfully, my bank balance has allowed me to be able to see the Trojan War from a variety of different perspectives, from Helen's perspective, from uh, Patroclus's perspective, uh, from Achilles's perspective, as well as looking at ancient Greek mythology at um, a female perspective from Circe and Ariadne. And I think the interesting part of this is looking at traditionally male 
um, texts or traditionally um, straight male texts, to be specific, uh, from minority perspectives. So from women, from the LGBTQ plus community. And I think that's really encouraged me to diversify the curriculum and understand the role that different um, voices can have. And I think that can be a fantastic way to use historical fiction to discuss uh, different events from traditionally um, quieter voices within the medium and avoid relying on those traditional and sometimes even outdated um, interpretations. So criteria number three, does it provide historical empathy? And I think this is where it can really come alive for students when they care about the history, when they care about the people and the understanding of what history does to ordinary people. I know there are some excellent books that are staples in the English teacher's classroom that can also be applied to history as well. Uh, the Book Thief by Marcus Suzak is a great tale narrated by death and follows a young girl's experience um, during the Holocaust, creating obviously this unique narrative perspective while still emphasizing um, a really sympathetic and empathetic response to the characters involved um, during this time. Also, The Water Dancer by Tana Hissy Coates um, combines these incredibly magical elements with a realistic approach to um, slavery and to the freedom uh, that uh, the character tries to find, obviously, within the narrative of the transatlantic slave trade and the Underground Railroad in America. And I think this can be a really fantastic way to connect um, human experiences with um, a way to really engage with different perspectives. Um, absolutely, yes, Paul, spot on. We've been doing this um, for really a long time. And we've tried, I think, to introduce different narratives from very traditional history perspectives. And it's just trying to see if we can find anything fresh, anything new that can really capture students' um, imaginations and lead them to really wanting to know as much about the past as possible. And I think it's really interesting in terms of, like you say, Paul, um, building in a bit of a, a more modern approach to looking at um, history and revamping the curriculum um, from our own perspectives within a lesson focus to really connect the dots for students and help them to see the wider picture um, that history can present. Thank you for your comments, by the way. Um, my fourth uh, criteria point, can it provide a way to help students understand the content using allegory? Um, now, this one I really liked and it really um, adds to my <laughs> nerdy credentials, I suppose, is that uh, when I was teaching year eight um, about three or four weeks ago, uh, we were talking about the Nazi regime and I was trying to explain how imposing uh, these rallies, for example, like the Nuremberg rally was for um, people who attended because students were kind of um, struggling to understand why didn't anybody just speak up? Why did people um, complain about it? Why did people go? And so I pulled up a picture of um, the First Order from Star Wars and it had a rally and it was obviously based on um, Nazi and fascist rallies generally in terms of the design, the logos, the structure of it all, the single leader promoting um, the party via speeches, things like that. And as soon as I showed them the picture and compared it with the Nuremberg rally, suddenly I saw a couple of light bulb moments when they pointed out the comparisons and they understood 
oh, that is an element of fascism because it sees there to there. And I think that's such a fantastic way where historical fiction can be used um, to discuss real history through the idea of allegory. Um, so instead of trying to just list out the features of 20th century fascism, they were able to point out those features for themselves based on um, either their knowledge of Star Wars, and I saw who the geeky kids were in the room and who I could have a good conversation with about Star Wars at lunchtime, as well as um, the students who were able to just point out from the pictures themselves. So ultimately a great way to use historical fiction as a way to teach content through allegory. And finally, my last step, can it be used as a way to analyze sources or interpretations? Now, this one, I think is one of my most unusual connections, um, but it has been something that I've seen work and it's one of my favorite uses of historical fiction, if I'm being honest, and it's why I've left it till last. And I think historical fiction is a great way to explore bias, to explore reliability, usefulness, and the impacts of an individual perspective in a very unusual and therefore more engaging way. So one of the most famous Batman storylines is A Death in the Family, which was a 1988 run. Famously or infamously, depending on how you like the character, um, it killed off Jason Todd, sorry for spoilers, um, who was the Robin at the time. Now, whilst that is a very interesting plot point, it is surprisingly not what I teach students uh, when I introduce this in uh, my modern history lessons. In fact, it's actually the somewhat side plot to it all, where Batman and Superman have to stop the Joker from killing the UN General Assembly. And the reason I use this is because it portrays the relationship between America and Iran in the 1980s fantastically. Um, the bad guy, the villain, quote unquote, is the Ayatollah Khomeini. And the Joker works with this real life historical figure um, and frames the threat of Iran as being as big to America as the Joker is to Batman. And it's such a great way to see these students absolutely shocked, realizing they're seeing historical figures used in a fictional way. And the way they're used um, creates obviously a very clear sense of perspective at the time, alliances, um, in this case, obviously enemies or rivalries, and the idea of um, how different nations viewed each other at this time through how they tell their stories. Who is the bad guy? Who is the good guy? All through these um, fictional stories and creating these people as characters rather than as actual people, which absolutely fun. I highly recommend. Comics are a fantastic source for this. Um, Superman and Captain America, for example, fighting the Nazis, um, having backgrounds with Jewish American authors. Brilliant to show the um, link between obviously American involvement or the lack thereof and this increase in superhero narratives where Hitler is the bad guy. Um, but also as well, Superman has a great storyline in a radio show where he fights quote unquote fights, uh, the KKK. And having the uh, writer for the show go undercover as part of the KKK to gain information about the um, terrorist organization was such a fantastic um, addition to the story where actual history was being included, um, seemingly um, unintentionally from a history perspective, but obviously very intentional 
to frame the KKK in a very negative way, as it should be. Um, and it's very interesting that that piece of historical fiction can be used to explore different attitudes, looking at different groups, different historical events or figures, and to explore them in a more unique, more engaging way. So by keeping these steps in mind and this criteria in mind, and obviously feel free to tweak and change and adapt based on what works best for your classroom, you know your students, and you know your classroom best. But ultimately, um, I wanted to give some examples so that you can see how historical fiction can really be included in a very easy and effortless way to develop more nuanced opinions, uh, both from us as staff, but also as well from students and give them the ability to deconstruct different texts and create their own um, more thorough picture of the past by being able to decipher the reality from the uh, fiction. So as a bit of a bonus, um, I haven't obviously um, managed to be quite regular, obviously with open evenings. So I thought I'd add in some extra fun bits and pieces. So um, I thought I'd add in some of my favorite books that didn't quite fit into the show, but I really did want to include. Um, so for example, Mouse, um, whilst not a piece of fiction traditionally, uh, because it is based on a Holocaust survivor's testimony, um, it is an absolutely fantastic read and a great inclusion into the classroom um, for a piece of literature that is entirely factual, but um, is framed in a more um, fantastical setting with the Nazis framed as cats and um, Jewish people framed as mice or kind of rats to reflect the language and the attitudes of the time. Uh, Persepopolis, uh, hopefully I said that right, is um, a first comic book and then a movie looking at the Iranian revolution, which again is a real account, but the way it's framed is in a more fictionalized um, setting, a fictionalized approach, which absolutely would recommend as well if you're teaching more modern history. And I know recently in terms of films, biographies, um, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, um, Napoleon, Whilst obviously some are more historically accurate than others, I'm not going to get into the whole Napoleon debates. Um, I haven't got the time for it, unfortunately. Um, it, they are very good in terms of engaging students with the past. And again, can be a great example of watching the clip, talking about the film, what's accurate, what's inaccurate, and linking then into why maybe these choices have been made and how that can obviously develop the understanding of the past. Uh, in terms of games, now this one is a little bit of a brag, I'll be honest with you. It's the Assassin's Creed franchise. Um, and my boyfriend just finished Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And it was really exciting chatting to him about uh, what was historically accurate in the game, what he noticed in terms of the storyline. And this is a little bit of a brag. Um, but I was really chuffed uh, to have been able to figure out who the kind of big baddie, in a sense, the father of the order was. Um, based on my uh, knowledge of teaching Anglo-Saxon and Viking history in school. And I think that was a really fun way for me to get engaged, because even though I knew bits and pieces of the history, I was able to get more invested um, in that and feel pretty chuffed getting the actual um, outcome before the, the storyline had wrapped up. And it's a great way, I think, as well, for us to have those discussions. And to be able to not only show off our vast amount of historical knowledge that we've spent however many years um, accumulating, but also it is just a fun way to talk about history, to 
discuss what we like and to see if we can apply that history um, to these fictionalized accounts and develop um, our own understanding of it a bit more. And finally, I do have to do a bit of a shout out uh, to Horrible Histories. I'd be a terrible history teacher if I didn't. Um, absolutely love the series, uh, both the books and the um, TV series. And I think it's a great way to get students engaged with these kind of comedy sketches, the songs. Charles II's King of Bling, incredibly iconic. And every time I teach the Stuarts, it is used, no matter what age group I'm teaching, all the way from year eight, all the way up to um, sixth form. It's a great way to uh, discuss different actual factual parts of the history, as well as see how is this character presented? What does that tell you? Um, about the real historical person. So again, just a bit of a bonus there, some honourable mentions, um, not fully fictional, but not traditionally non-fiction either. Um, please obviously feel free to chip in as well in the chat if there are any of your favourites that I've missed. Um, lots of different examples to talk about there. So to wrap up overall, there are so many highly rated historical fiction books out there that cover a wide range of historical periods and events, and they offer opportunities for history teachers, um, both primary and secondary, to engage our students with well-crafted narratives that provide really thorough insights into the past. After all, history is all about stories. Whether we are exploring wartime experiences, societal changes, personal journeys, anything at all, these novels can enhance our history lessons by bringing this context, bringing these stories and these voices uh, to life through compelling uh, storytelling. So hopefully I've been able to give you some tips on how to incorporate historical fiction into your history lessons. And thank you as always for tuning in this week to listen to me on Teachers Talk Radio. Lovely to see you um, in the future for my uh, other shows coming up, obviously. So please do keep an eye on social medias for more details. Um, and in the meantime, thank you so much for your time tonight and for your um, engagement. Please take care and I will see you next time. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.